welcome to our podcast. Um, we are going to be talking about um, mental health in the beginning of quarantine and uh, what our lives looked like um, at the start of COVID um, and then versus now. Um, so my name is Amelia. Uh, my name's Medea. I'm Tori. And I'm Brianna. So yeah, we're just going to be discussing hey. um, what our experience was um, at the start of quarantine and what our mental, our personally, what our mental health was like and what we did to take care of ourselves. Um, so whoever wants to go ahead and share can start. Um, well, uh, lots of things um, have changed, uh, but kind of stayed the same, you know, um, I was always at work or doing schoolwork anyway so being at home and being at work um was not a whole lot of changing for me but work did change a lot as far as you know going from absolutely no visitation at the hospital to um the testing and um you know the ppe thing and it's it's just been really strange because policies had been changing left and right and um it's it's it, it's just really weird. It's kind of um, put a strain on everybody as far as staffing and everything goes. So, um, you know, our, our mental health's not that well right now in the hospital, but you know, we're dealing with it because we kind of have to. Yeah. yeah I'm kind yeah, of like, so in Medea, a do you mind explaining? wait, what do you, what's your job? Yeah. So what is your role? at? The- oh God. Okay. <laughs> All right. So um, I'm a nurse. I'm an ICU nurse. Uh, I work in the burn unit, uh, but I also get floated to uh, the medical ICU, which is the COVID ICU every now and then. Um, so I, I do get to see these things. I do. Um, I have had a COVID patient. Um, so <clears throat> it, it is different, you know, uh, you see so many things on social media and so many things in the news and it's, it's not just the flu, you know, it's, it's, does things to your body that it really shouldn't, but, um, you know, we're learning about it. So as we go, uh, in, in the unit that I work in, uh, we're kind of fortunate, you know, we do a rule out thing. We do have two negative pressure rooms that, um, they're tested in the ED before they come to us. Cause most of our patients in the burn unit are, uh, trauma patients. So they get tested there and then they put, get put in the negative pressure rooms as rule out rooms. So of course we have to wear all the gear in there and stuff until they come out negative. If they come up positive, then they go to the medical ICU and then the charge nurse has to go up there and do the dressing change up there. So it's lots of changes. (laughs) That's gotta be crazy too. Being a traumatic, um, you know, having a traumatic injury like that. And then as well as having a virus, um, is, right. is there like is that higher risk for people or well we haven't really had that many issues we've only had like three patients that have that have tested positive oh, and you know we're we've been pretty lucky as far as that goes so far you know <laughs> waiting it'll happen I'm sure I feel like Alaska um, County has always been pretty low though you know, yeah it, it is low. actually yeah compared compared to other places like yeah down in West Palm where I am um <laughs> The cases just remain the same. <laughs> We're not getting any better. Mm-hmm. And um, and I agree with you on the fluid, um, how fluid the policy changes are. I deal with that every single day in school. Excuse me. And so um, I completely understand, like, one day the CDC is saying one thing, and the next day it's saying something different. 
and we have to we go based off of their guidelines so um I get that for sure so how are you able to kind of you know maintain morale you know among your coworkers? and I can only imagine the burnout that healthcare workers feel right now so <laughs> what are you are you doing anything at work specifically to maintain just kind of a, a positive outlook when things just seem so dark and you know of course hospitals can only provide so many you know free breakfast you know or like um you know donuts cookies worker, pizza, pizza yeah, yeah donuts all the things right yeah. So, all the cards. <laughs> yeah. yeah so other than food and kind of like seems like um a bleak effort to show appreciation for just the immense you know you know undertaking that you guys have like is there anything that you guys are doing among yourselves like to keep each other you know um uh, positive well (laughs) we all kind of have a a dark sense of humor anyway because of our profession so um you know we we joke around a lot um Uh so um you know just just the sense of humor trying to keep things as lighthearted as possible is part of it um we don't really get to socialize that much outside of work because, you know, we don't want to expose each other any more than we have to and anybody else any more than we have to. So um, I think every now and then, I've, you know, I've been to to one gathering, uh, you know, we all sat around like a big table outside kind of thing and just sat around and talk and had a few drinks, kind of th- talked about things. But, you know, that's about the only time that we've ever really done anything outside of work. Uh, but at work, um, you know, it's not really anything that the hospital is facilitating. It's just um, us just trying to, you know, support each other and and just kind of keep it lighthearted. And yeah, everybody's a little disgruntled right now. So, you know, we're short staffed and it's just not getting any better. So it is what it is. Yeah. So my roommate, she was working at Shans and she was saying there was a lot of nurses, especially quitting, just being a lot of burnout. Have you experienced that in your unit? Oh, well, in my unit, we've had a lot of people um, transfer out to other units, not necessarily quitting altogether, but just kind of a change of scenery. Um, you know, but um, of course, all the grass isn't always greener on the other side. So, um, you know, they're getting a taste of what it's like elsewhere that it's it's a different kind of, of stress, you know, so. I'm sure it's helpful, though, like, for you to have, you know, your coworkers that are able to you relate to each other because it's, you know, I feel like a sense of camaraderie because um, you can come home and, you know, talk to your friends or your spouse about, you know, work, but it's like how much are they able to relate or understand or empathize. So at least you have, you know, um, a sense of, uh, like, you feel like it's – um you know, support system within each other. Right. It is. Well, Amelia, you That's kind of were on the opposite spectrum where you lost your job, right? Yeah. So my quarantine um, was a little tumultuous at the beginning. Um, I kind of had a rocky start. Um, I had been in a relationship um, for some time that kind of abruptly ended um, without kind of like um, – I wouldn't say like blindsided because that seems bitter uh, because I, you know, this person, he's now back in my life, but still as as friends. Um, So no relationship drama, but I still have so much respect and love for this person. And so just the way it kind of ended was a little um, startling. And then 
the next day I was furloughed from my job and this was like within um like the first two weeks of lockdown and it was kind of like this surreal oh, feeling it was just like yeah it was like this surreal feeling of the world ending and everything around me was spiraling out of control and I couldn't do anything about any of it and I think that's something I feel like we can all relate to is in some ways that we feel most comfortable and we have the most control um right. and it was just kind of like I, I was just wide-eyed and like looking around me so to speak and saying like I where do I go from here and you know I, I lived I was living alone at the time um I have you know I'm very fortunate to have a family farm that my grandmother has and that she saved that for only a few months out of the year but I was living there last year before I moved to Gainesville in August and so I was alone on a farm a 10-acre farm um you know uh-huh. and <laughs> with my relationship ending and was being completely totally alone I really had to just be confronted with the situation at hand because I'm very good at distracting myself with throwing myself into work throwing myself into school and throwing myself into you know friendships and and things like that and keeping myself busy but when that is you know comes to a screeching halt I'm just left with feelings my emotions and I like I felt them like it was a such a transformative experience I believe because um you know this is you know not to get so emotional about it but I really just allowed myself just to grieve and like thankfully I was living alone and I could just like listen if anybody has the opportunity to just ugly cry as loud as you want as dramatic uh-huh. as you want that now that's like my favorite pastime like Kim Kardashian ugly cries are my favorite yeah just right cry laugh at yourself yeah. yeah exactly and you're like I'm so silly right now like then you laugh you're like oh I just I look ridiculous and so um <laughs> so yeah I just I was able to just like really just let myself shed this um you know, just all of the emotion that I was bottling up for a period of time that I was grieving my relationship, of course, I was grieving, you know, the loss of my, my job, which is, you know, so, of course, there were personal changes, but I was also grieving like the state of the world, because it was just such a, an unknown, and um, it's still very unprecedented, but like, it was like people were losing, everyone around me was losing their jobs, everyone around me was just scared. And like, you know felt just so just terrified of the future we had known nothing about this virus that was about to you know really take this country by you know the throat and I was just like grieving I was like this this sucks this sucks this sucks it sucks and let me tell you I think that was like the best thing for me because it really allowed me to be in touch with my feelings and emotional and just like feel like it's okay to cry and it's okay to be uh, you know, be sad. And so I then really, I picked myself up and I made the effort to feel, you know, of course I was physically disconnected from people, but Zoom was really coming into play and people were having like happy hours. (laughs) And I I was booked and busy. I will tell you that. Like every night I had (laughs) like a Zoom happy hour with like this group of friends that I haven't connected with in a while. And then my family and then my extended family. And then like every single night, like I was I was busy and I was just, I felt I was physically alone once again, but I really wasn't emotionally alone. And I think that really helped being able to maintain my, my mental health and um, just feel like less lonely because I think everyone was just seeking 
you know, seeking connection, seeking comfort with each other because no one had any answers and no one had like any idea of what, um, you know, how we were going to be moving forward. And of course, as this kind of progressed, I feel like the, you know, I I hate to say it, but I think, um, you know, like the trend and like the, um, I think Zoom kind of people it started getting played out and people started kind of like moving into another um kind of like a different more ominous sense of like the pandemic where people were getting like you know tired of quarantine what is it called court or yeah lockdown fatigue yeah and so people were like itching to get back into their daily lives and and with um you know with summer approaching and people just wanted to have a sense of normalcy I feel like things kind of slowly started unraveling and that's when we really started cases moving up and that are just continuing to skyrocket so for a period of time I think I think it was a simpler time in terms of you know I'm very privileged to say that of course I wasn't in a healthcare setting I you know I was still able to you know um be supported by like my family and things like that in the time that I was furloughed um I, you know, was able to kind of like really use that privilege that, you know, that luxury to, I learned so much about like myself and like how I connect with, you know, with others and and things like (laughs) that. It was a really transformative time, but, um, but yeah, I don't know. It was, it was, Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. It was, I don't know. It was just, it was a really, um, you know, interesting time to learn about myself because I just had to sit there and get to know myself better because I really didn't have anybody to distract myself with. Like, you know, and coming, especially coming off of fall semester, I'm sure we can all attest to how crazy, you know, our first semester of grad school was, um, you know, we were just so busy and then for it to come to a screeching halt, um, you know, and like, how did you guys feel like the transition from um, in-person classes to online? Like, what was your 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 spring looking like? I've been doing kind of a hybrid thing um, with camp- on campus and online classes both. So uh, the transition, I guess, was maybe a little easier for me. But um, I definitely miss, you know, the this interaction with everybody and um, you know being able to talk about things. It it does make a difference. I've always been a homebody, yeah, so sure. when it transitioned to online, I really didn't mind um I kind of welcomed it I'm one of those people I'm I'm very like I like to do things on my own and that's just kind of how I am um so for me it wasn't really a tough transition um and like Amelia I was kind of the opposite of you where I've always kind of just I don't know it's not that I don't think COVID's real I know I know it's real I work you know I work in for the Department of Health and um, I'm working specifically right now with COVID in schools, and so I know it's there, but it's more along the lines of, like, Medea, you kind of had the, hit the nail on the head where it's, like, a, a dark sense of humor, and although I don't deal with COVID patients, like, I don't personally care for them, I do speak to the families um, of, you know, the parents that they test positive or the children, um, you know, there are instances where kids are hospitalized or parents are hospitalized. Um, and um, so, you know, you do have those difficult conversations or you have the conversations of um, the entitledness of, you know, why does my kid have to quarantine and people not really knowing like the real guidance. Um, but I guess my point to that was I've always kind of been in the in denial phase. So like when everything went to 
um, online and then like quarantine hit. I really like, this is really bad, but it really didn't like, it didn't phase me, I guess. I just, I feel bad for saying that. I wasn't, I just was kind of like, well, it is what it is. Like everyone just like stay home and it's fine, but it, it didn't affect me. Like it affected other people. Like Amelia, you were saying that, you know, it really like you had like, it had like an emotional effect on you. And for me, it just didn't, which I, I feel bad for saying, um, but it's, it's true. Um, so, and then now I, I still feel pretty like numb to it. Um, so where you have felt your feelings, I have not felt my feelings uh, at all. I don't even know if I have feelings on it. It's always been like a problem with me. Like, feelings. <laughs> like um, when I was in therapy, they would be, my therapist would be like, okay, so what are you feeling right now? I'm like, I literally don't know. Like, I just, I feel nothing. And it was like, it's always been so hard for me to process. So I'm like very, um, I'm very impressed that you're able to do that. And I'm kind of jealous because I can't. Um, uh, It's like my feelings have to be extreme for me to feel them. So I guess I just haven't felt like an extreme feeling before. Um, Well, and I guess in like the grand scheme of COVID, um, of course I have my days at work, but um, you know, it's just more of parents and principals yelling at me rather than um, rather than me like feeling bad. You know, I'm just kind of like, well, this is the science behind it and you have to follow it. Sorry. <laughs> it's just like, mm-hmm. it's, um, I have to like, kind of turn that maybe to protect myself. I don't know. But, um, but as far as it transitioning, I mean, I got a really good opportunity in West Palm because of it, because of the online um, setup. And I was able to move down to West Palm beach from Gainesville and complete my master's all online. Um, so I'm very grateful I, um, I think I got put into a position that not many people have the opportunity to do. Um, so I, I definitely really appreciate, um, the opportunity I was doing contact tracing. And then, um, I actually applied for an epidemiology, um, like an actual job in epi that does, it wasn't, didn't have anything to do with COVID. Um, it was in vaccine preventable diseases and I just applied for it and interviewed it just being like, okay, well, I'm going to have my master's in eight months anyway. I might as well just like get used to the interview experience and see questions that are going to be asked and things like that. And I remember one of the, it was like a written test and it was about like, um, like when we took general epi of like, um, odds ratios and like how you would determine the source of an outbreak and things like that. And I was like, oh Yeah. I was like, this is my jam. And I was like, really into it. It was super fun. So it was really cool being able to apply that. And so then I just went through the interview process, not thinking anything of it. And then I got offered the job. And so, um, so I've definitely been very, yeah, I've been very lucky. And um, so for me, the online transition was a blessing, but I know not everybody learns that way. Um, So I hate it. I'm like, so stupidly self-aware of my emotions I just feel them all so hard and I'm like I hate it I don't know if you guys have ever seen um the vampire diaries where I think it's like 
they can turn off their emotions or something. It's very dramatic. But it's um they can turn <laughs> off their because they're just feeling them so hard. And I'm like, I, I just want to turn my emotions off. So truly, honestly, the grass is not always greener on the other I side. Wish I wish I like, don't have to feel everything. the best of both worlds. <laughs> I mean, so I don't get me wrong, I do feel my feelings on like certain things, but when it comes it's like right. I, I numb out. Like I just kind of but trust me, my boyfriend will tell you otherwise that I feel my feelings too much. So because it just depends on the situation (laughs) and I also think that like I think just like the the breadth of this whole situation is just so the magnitude is so great that it might be just kind of hard to yeah I think I just haven't fully processed it I just am kind of like okay I'm just kind of going with the flow and like whatever like wherever it takes me and also I don't know if there's an appropriate reaction to it you know like I feel like you don't have to you know the uh you know sobbing or like having an yeah. extreme emotional reaction to and there's really is no proper way to grieve because you still I think above all else I think having respect for the pandemic and for other safety and the well-being because it'd be one thing if you're like oh I'm not really you know not really experiencing feelings about it but I don't really also don't really care about other safety so I'm not making efforts and putting in measures to protect others but I'm still going about my life because it's something that I want to ignore selfishly like you you understand yeah, it you know like you are it is. it's like um, the you know, guilt I, I do feel like a guilt behind it and just like Medea was saying is like you develop this dark sense of humor and you almost develop this numbness like just because I I see it every day mm-hmm. not physically but I talk to people who experience it every day and I just kind of like I, I have to take my emotions out of it because I remember in the beginning when the schools first started opening and I I just wanted to help these principals and we are only having like a handful of cases reported a day and then now I mean I'm pretty sure after the long holiday I'm pretty sure we had over 150 cases reported t- today I haven't even gotten to them all because it was just so busy and and I just don't have time to sit there and like it's like, these are the CDC guidelines. You have to listen to it. I don't know what else to tell you. You know what I mean? So it's like, you have to like turn it off mm-hmm. in a way too. Otherwise I feel like if you, if you let yourself get too invested, you're going to sacrifice. I was sacrificing my own mental health and I was like starting to beat myself mm-hmm. up because I couldn't contact tracers. Maybe weren't providing proper guidance to families or, you know, you hear these parents that, <clears throat> you know, are refusing to quarantine their kid. And it's like, okay, well, you, you have to, but you know, you don't understand like the financial burden behind it and things like that. And, um, you know, people are, people's lives are being turned upside down. And so I think maybe that's too, is I just kind of mm-hmm. turn my emotions off to it. I just, am like, I can't be emotionally invested because it will ruin me and I have to protect myself in order to be able to do right. my job. So, um, do you right. feel like you've gotten too close? Because it, it seems like you mentioned that you felt like you've gotten too close or too emotionally invested in a situation. Like, how do you kind of pull yourself away from that? And like, do you do anything to like, you know, take care of yourself? Like after you've experienced like a hard call you know, or something? I, the, my, my definition of a hard call would be what I experience more is anger from people. Like I get very entitled mm-hmm. people. Um, usually the principals that I deal with are lovely. Um, I really haven't had a negative experience with the principal, although some other people on my team would beg to differ. But um, I personally, in my role, I haven't had. I, I, I help lead the school team. So I typically only talk to, they typically call me when they need help. So they like, 
Um, and this is like, they've tried everything to get in touch with somebody else and they can't. So like, they're like begging me for help. So, um, difficult situations are anger, are angry parents are typically what I deal with. Um, and most of the time I would say nine times out of 10, I find it hilarious. And so I'm able to just kind of like, well, this is the guidance and you have to suck, basically suck it up because the people that are calling me are, um, they, they are private school kids they're well off money isn't the issue so the people who really need the help the financial help and to give those resources to aren't the ones calling um so it's Mm -hmm. it's a you have to walk a fine line um i've had multiple people um ask for my credentials and i give them to them and i you know i give them my email and they threaten me to go to the media they're gonna put my expose my name and i'm just like I kind of just laugh about it. And I'm just like, I'm not, no. I, I'm a nobody. Like nobody cares who I am. I work for the Department <laughs> of Epidemiology. Like I kind of just have to like bring humor to it. And then also mm-hmm. having like, luckily I do work in the office. So um, I can go to my coworker's office if I had a tough call, like where I got heated or um, maybe my feelings got hurt. Um, I really haven't talked to uh, too many people who are upset, um, like, you know, crying upset more um, more angry upset so um maybe going to a co-worker's office mm-hmm. typically I'll call my boyfriend and complain to him <laughs> and that's kind of how it's kind of I just have to yeah. talk it out and I'm good after that um so that's kind of how I've always coped mm-hmm. but um but I know everyone's different and like I said I feel like I'm kind of like unusually numb to it compared to other people which I'm I don't know if that's the right response. (laughs) Like you said, I don't think there's like a textbook way to approach, you know, like or or cope, you know, it's whatever you feel. is. Yeah, it's like you have to protect yourself over anything, you know, know? you are the most important person in your life. And like, if I let every single parent that yelled at me that said they paid $65,000 in tuition, I would, you know, be depressed. So I just can't. Um, you know, like, I feel like Medea's position, she deals with more like sadness and I deal, my position, I deal with more anger. I don't know, Medea, if that's what you've experienced. Mm -hmm. Uh, well, yeah, more, a lot of sadness, a lot of, uh, a lot of anger too, as far as visitation and stuff goes. Yeah. Um, I've learned to compartmentalize very well. That's a great word. That is exactly what, yeah. You just kind of have to put Mm. it in the back, on the back burner and like. Brianna, how has your quarantine been? Um, how has life been for you and like what has changed in terms of you know your environment or your mental health like how have um how have you navigated you know this year um so okay so I remember before quarantine honestly I was having the time of my life so like not even the time of my life that's really dramatic but I was like really happy like it was right before I think we came back from spring break and then everything shut down. So like I went on spring break and I went to New York and I remember we kind of heard things. It was like when I Italy was break, New York. kind of a disaster. Yeah, you did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I no seriously. Okay, where? I, how long were you there? Were you there I was the there whole from the time? To the seventh, and on the seventh they declared New York had declared it a state of emergency, and I was flying out of New York. Yeah. Mm. And, uh, yeah. Oh my god. Wild, so, like, I actually I got sick too. 
um, when I came back. But I think it was like cold, lack of sleep. Like I think there are a lot of other factors, but I definitely got sick when I got back. I don't know if it was COVID, but oh my god, I don't like I have COVID, but um, but yeah, that's so funny. Literally, yeah. I remember like I went, I was going to New York. My mom was like, "Why are you going? Like, wear a mask." Like, and I was like, oh, whatever. Like, she's being really dramatic. And then I came back and then school was like, everyone. I remember like when we moved class online, I was like, re- I was actually like genuinely upset. I'm like, oh my God, this is really dramatic. And, but then obviously as I guess it hit, like the, I felt like in the beginning, I felt like Tori, I was just like, whatever. And like, they were saying two weeks to flatten the curve. I don't think I ever thought it was going to be two weeks. But I was like, oh, we'll see. So then, um, let me think. Okay, so then that happened. When I was, before quarantine, I was working at a rehab. So I was a CNA, um, but there was no COVID cases. And then I was working there until June. And then I actually was started doing contact tracing. So I went from Gainesville to Lee County. I'd never been to Fort Myers or the West Coast. Um, so, and that way it was kind of a blessing because I was getting paid bank, like, and like I was getting experience. <laughs> um, and then, and then I was doing that till October. Like, I love my boss. Like, it was a really, I really was like so happy to have been working just because, um, it gave me like a sense of stability when everything was kind of crumbling. So, and just like seeing people's faces. So it was really good. Then that ended in October. Um, and during this whole time, sorry, going back right before quarantine, like I was so consistent with like working out, like I was doing yoga, yada, yada, yada. Then I, it, it had to like, as a way to cope, I was doing yoga, not as much when I was working, but it really like exercising and like having, like trying to make up a schedule for myself, um, helped. And then contact tracing ended in October, um, and then I've been back home. So I'm actually in West Palm Beach. So I'm at my parents' house. Um, and that's pretty much been it. So I would say for quarantine, my mood in the beginning, it was like denial. It was kind of like the, the stages of grief. Like I was like, what is going on? Then I was like, I feel hopeless. And then I was like, maybe. And now I just feel like, I guess hopeless again. Because <laughs> I'm yeah, like, when is this going to end? Like, what is going on? I definitely like my brother's birthday was in March and I was like making fun of him and I was like haha like we're in quarantine loser and then my birthday was October and I was like I I can't believe I'm still here my birthday was in September and then then, like I'm like a huge this sounds really dumb but I'm like a huge Taylor Swift I'm like obsessed with her and so she was doing her lover tour and I like Uh right during actually it was right before COVID like I think January, I think I bought the ticket in February, January. And so I was like, yep, I'm going to go to her concert. Like I've always wanted to go. I want to do this before I'm 30, blah, blah, blah. Like I did it. I booked the plane ticket. I was going to go by myself and I was like, yeah. And then, um, COVID hit and then the, 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 you know, everything got postponed obviously. And so I'm like, it's fine. It'll be fine by July. It'll be fine by July 31st. Like it's good. And then I'm like, Oh my God, this just isn't ending. Like this is not ending. And I'm like, Oh my goodness. Yeah. It's really hard having those realizations of, you know, as 
you know, I still wake up and I think like, is this, yeah, is this really still happening? Like, uh, you know, you think <laughs> we were optimistic in the beginning. We're like, okay, this summer, but then people will actually like get it together and we'll, you know, they'll get tired of this thing and they'll, you know, really try to make the effort. It's just, and that was yeah. so naive to think that I was like, <laughs> I think the biggest thing as, you know, as I, I went to Alabama for undergrad, I was like, college football, we just need college football, like, by the fall, like, I think people will take it a little bit more seriously, my naive, you know, perspective, I was like, people are gonna take it seriously, because we cannot cancel college football, but alas, uh, the pandemic I know, it's is out of crazy. control more than ever, and college football, so, like, we're, we're really living in a lawless land, there's no like, rules there's anymore, no rules, people are just, like, no one's doing whatever, <laughs> and that, that's the thing yeah. too, is I can't, I have to take it day by day, because yeah. I look, because that, that's what gives me anxiety, is I think that I'm like, oh my god, is this ever gonna end, like, are we gonna be like this forever, and then that's when I'm like, I don't want to do this forever, this is awful, um, I'm so sick of wearing masks, or being judged for, like, not wearing a mask, or wearing a mask, and, like, there's so many and like people are just acting different. I feel like especially during the holidays. Definitely. Yeah, and like especially during the holidays, people are always extra nasty, I feel like. And now on top of that, it's a pandemic too. And so people are just like rude right now. And it's just it's it's not like it doesn't help anyone. And it's just people are willing to work with the system until it goes against their agenda. And then once it goes against their agenda, they get upset. And it's like you guys have we've been doing this for like almost a year now like you know the consequences and you know like the risk that you're running like scary so why do you continue to do it it's, yes it's very frustrating, frustrating. And they act like they ha- it hasn't been happening for nine months now and I'm just like <laughs> yeah and I think that also like collectively impacts our mental health which is kind of like not only dealing with um you know the not only schoolwork, but also actual work and also just viewing on social media that people are just not respecting public health guidelines and going out and partying and living their lives while we're trying to do the right thing. And actually, you know, if I can save someone's life and allow someone to have, you know, more Christmases or more holidays with their family members, if I can like indirectly prevent the spread like I will do that but it's just still so frustrating because like I'm young I would love to go out to bars with my friends I'd love to do that but I am thinking of you know others and I want to you know stop the spread and so I'm gonna do what I need to do and be safe and it's just really frustrating to see how people just don't care and that makes me frustrated and mad and sad and I'm just like come on like I'm getting it's just I don't know if you guys are feeling the same way but I'm just getting yeah sick of it you know yeah definitely especially yes. like seeing like there's two different types of people like you have people on social media that are like openly posting it and I'm like are we living the same life like what is going through your brain and then I feel like there's also I guess there's people that I know that are out, but they're, like, ashamed, so they don't post it. I don't know which is worse. I guess they, like, have more sense because they're, like, I know that I'm doing what is bad, but, like, I'm just not going to post it because I don't want to be judged. It's definitely been frustrating seeing people. It may, Yeah, it's frustrating. It's kind of, like, are we – yeah, it just feels, like, surreal again. Like, bring, going back to the beginning yeah. of quarantine when everything felt surreal. Everyone has their own definition real. of what they think is doing – is, like, safe behavior, myself included. Like, 
I mean, I will go to a restaurant because mm-hmm. I'm like, I love to eat out. Like I want, I'm going to go and get a burrito from my favorite Mexican place. If I want to get a burrito, you know, and like, um, and like my, that's my definition of being safe. It's like, okay, well, I'm wearing a mask. I'm doing what's asked of me. I'm both six feet away from people. And like, even as someone who practices and studies public health, like you would think that I'd be like, no, I'm going to stay inside. But like, for the sake of my own sanity, like I do have to like, sometimes go out to eat because I'm just like, oh, but that's again, that's like your own definition. And then like other people where like, they just stay inside the whole time, which is totally fine. And I respect that as well. For the most part, I stay inside. But you know, like every now and then I'm like, okay, like, I just want like a little bit of like fresh air, like human interaction. And then um, and then you have the other people who, you know, they'll, they'll say that they're w- worried about COVID until like they, they want to do something and, um, and, and things like that. So I just, I feel like everyone has their own definition of what safety is. And I'm not saying my definition is perfect and I'm not, you know, and I'm not saying anyone else's definition is worse or better than mine. It's just more. I think that's another reason is like Americans are so used to being able to make their own decisions and not having consequences to it. Yeah. Like, they're like, it's my right to do this. And so, and it's like, well, it is your right, but then this is just going to continue going on. So if you want to exercise that right, that's fine, but you need to be prepared for the consequences kind of thing. I think you make up, I think you brought up a really good point of, you know, because, you enjoy going out and going to restaurants because that's something that you feel is, you know, like, cause you have such a hectic life. I'm sure just taking some time for you, like for yourself or for a friend or your boyfriend, just have some sense of like normalcy, just like going, picking up your favorite burrito. And like, that is what helps you feel better and take care of yourself. I think that's so important. And also like you're t- still taking precautions to keep yourself and others safe. And, you know, you have, you still are taking care of yourself, but you're also like having a regard for others' health and safety. And Mm -hmm. where do we have this line of like, okay, I'm keeping myself safe while staying inside. It's like, but at what cost? Yeah. Especially with the, you know. Like the cost benefit analysis. It's like, you gotta figure (laughs) out like where your threshold is. And it's like, it's not like I go out to eat and like. Mm -hmm sit in a crowded bar yeah. I'm like dude I sit outside I you know I just it's like right. I just want someone to serve me <laughs> and like I grew up I grew up in the restaurant industry so I was <laughs> so used to like eating out like that's how I grew my dad ran Outback for most of my life so I'm just so used to that lifestyle that I it like brings me joy so it's like I have to like I have to do it at least once a week because otherwise I'm gonna go crazy um yeah, and like with the winter months, you know, coming up with it being colder, of course, in Florida. Oh, it was 72 degrees here today. Cold, but <laughs> up north, when it's. <laughs> yeah. Freezing. We're very lucky to still have. <laughs> right. Well, we're yeah. still lucky to have, you know, sunshine and, and warmer weather. Um, weather, you know, compared to uh, up north where it's been cold for months now. And I can only imagine that's such a lonely existence, you know, not being able to see friends staying inside where and it's cold and miserable and gray outside and there's really I can I can imagine that really impacts oh, you know mental, the mental does, health even of, outside of those pandemic. up north because, so imagine now pandemic yeah it's just like oh oh for sure cabin fever like seasonal depression you know meeting you know yeah, yeah cabin fever is just an absolute recipe for 
for disaster. And it's, it's since it's such a, um, you know, this whole pandemic has taken the world by storm. I feel like there haven't, there haven't really been opportunities for mental health resources to, um, to kind of establish themselves in terms of like supporting those who are maybe dealing with emotion, you know, <laughs> dealing with emotions that they haven't before. I don't know, like me. Um, <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> during this time, like being faced with this, like really all these like hardships. And so um, you weren't, maybe we're not enlisting therapy as a coping mechanism and, um, or, you know, they hadn't really been aware of resources that they may need. Well, for, therapy is expensive. Like and if so you, I remember, you know, like um, if you lost your job oh, and yeah. then you want to go see a therapist, it's like, okay, well that's going to be $120 a session and you can't afford that. So then you have to start sacrificing like yeah. what's important and like mental health just takes the back burner. It always has. And like, um, public health, you know, mm-hmm. it's the one healthcare sector in like the, you know, healthcare sector, it's the lowest funded, um, branch of healthcare. And now all of a sudden they need you more than ever. And <laughs> it's like, okay, well, where's our funding? Like we can't do this without funding. And, um, so that's another barrier too. It's like, you know, mental health is of course very important, but I don't think that it's been recognized as something that should, um, take precedence. Yeah. I definitely still treat it as something like not exactly. a physical illness or like a physical impairment. And you so can't it's see not, it. So you uh, can't put a um, price on it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which is just such a, you know, backwards way of thinking, but but luckily UF has a lot of great resources uh, too, like Gatorwell and, um, yeah, the, um, uh, the that's what I was, yeah, counseling wellness center. Definitely. Um, they have, they've established a lot more resources for students to, to utilize in terms of not only group therapy, but also individual, individual counseling. And, um, there is a crisis hotline that, um, is available, uh, 24 seven for students, um, who need, um, you know, who need immediate assistance. And I think, of course, it's, it's a, it's a crisis hotline. And if you're having, you know, any kind of mental health um, situation that you feel like needs to be addressed, it doesn't have to meet certain standards to be, to be heard. You know, it's something um, to be utilized for, for anyone who feels like they're just having really big emotions that they can't really, um, they can't really handle. Like, having these big emotions, I don't really know what to do. And I need to talk to someone because I can only burden my friends so much. This is what I'm feeling. I'm having these big emotions. I don't really know what to do with them. Like, can we just talk about it? I think it's a really important resource for people just to be aware of that's there. But yeah, the number is right there. If I click or Google WC UF hotline, um, and it pops up. So yeah, I don't know if that's something that you guys have been aware of or uh, I know that the CWC they also have weekly like workshops like some about and they're free which is really good just about like very relevant topics like coping with anxiety um just learning more about how to handle those emotions or learning better ways to cope with versus destructive ways that you may be coping um so I think that is really helpful just an example I'm thinking of I remember in the beginning of quarantine, they, I think there was like a study, like probably like a Pew Research poll and there was like increased drinking, like everyone was eating, like everyone's gaining weight. And I feel like it could also have something to do with like everyone's mental health and like they're trying to find an alternative way to cope. 
Um, so I definitely, I hadn't gone to any of the workshops, but it definitely was nice that that was a resource and it was free um, for your students. Yeah. Also, you know, I work at the hospital and I know other places offer like um, employee assistance programs. Um, I know right now they're offering us, um, you know, 10 free oh, wow. visits for, uh, to a counselor. Um, oh. Yeah. So, you know, that's, that's, you know, also a resource if you're lucky enough to work for somebody that offers that for you. Yeah. That's really nice that, you know, the hospital is supporting their staff in that way. Um, yeah. Do you know, like other, like, are you familiar with um, like staff at other hospitals that are, is there like a difference in between the support that the hospital is giving the employees? Like, have you noticed anything like that? Well, um, I know that with COVID, the number of appointments, free appointments have gone up. I think it may have been five or something like that before. So they've about doubled. Um, so COVID has changed that. Um, now, as far as other places, the last hospital that I worked over in Melbourne, Florida, um, they offered an, an employee assistance program, but I don't know if, you know, that's changed with COVID or not. I do know that they've been hit harder there than we have here. So, you know, I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah, it's just interesting to see because, I mean, Shands is such a massive hospital. I don't know if any other hospitals are maybe smaller or less resources are not able to provide, you know, the support to their employees in the same way work mainly for teaching hospitals um and then the one in melbourne but um you know they've all been i've been lucky enough as far as they've all offered the employee assistance programs and um the ability to talk to somebody if you really need to um or of course you know your co-workers like i was saying earlier we all talk to each other yeah it sounds like you yeah have a good support system and not only through work but also personally too um that can hopefully help balance um you know the daily stressors that you experience definitely well guys any other last thoughts um yeah i think we all kind of shared some interesting perspectives of like how we moved through this really difficult time and you know how we kind of coped um and how we learned about ourselves and we um were able to just kind of provide growth not only as public health students for our professional development, but also within our emotional uh, well-being. So um, it's been a tough year, but we one thing has been consistent that we've all just really persevered despite the hardships that we've we've faced. And I think that's really reflective of how strong we've become and are only you know growing um, to be more. Um, I don't know, that's just sure. like better people. So I'm proud of you guys. Um, <laughs> and you is, yeah definitely hasn't been that has not been easy but I think you guys have just been killing it and you know I'm really proud that you guys are my my peers and um it's incredible just like seeing the, the things that you guys are doing and will continue to do and how you've just been like just exactly. pushing on yeah on, keep on. yes so, yeah <laughs> um but yeah thank you guys for being so open and honest and vulnerable and and sharing things you know um uh, I think this was a really good conversation, a really good, you know, constructive conversation that we learned a lot about each other and, and things like that. So, yeah. I was going to say, um, anyone should look up their local, um, just because I'm looking at my dog right now. So, um, animals are great therapy. And so, if you have the time, especially if you're at home, look at adopting maybe a dog or a cat, whatever you're into, or a fish, whatever makes you happy. 
and um, I don't think you can adopt oh. fish, but um, <laughs> I know you can adopt cats and dogs. Um, <laughs> but, um, and they, they right. definitely make it easier, too. They're fun to love up on, that's for sure. Yeah, for sure. Me too. Yeah, I think that's one thing that helped me, you know, cope with being alone earlier this year with with my little mutt that I have. He's just he's the light of my life. Um, But I also have a book recommendation. Um, Last thing. Yes. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Brene Brown, the author. Um, She's yeah, she's awesome. She's a sociologist and she studies. um, She studies just like human behavior and um, loneliness, I think. But she has a book called Rising Strong, and it's about how um, hardships and failure um, really cultivate wholeheartedness. And that's really when you're face down in the ring, metaphorically, um, you know, when you're beaten, bloodied, and just really, you know, just not um, in, a, in a good that's moment of your life, in a peak moment that's of your life. That that's really when you yeah. learn the most about yourself. And I feel mm-hmm. like we've all, yeah, that's the true growth. Exactly. So I feel like we've all kind of felt that this year. And so definitely rising strong I absolutely recommend that um but yeah just uh the CWC is a a good resource a good local resource for for students um or anyone UF affiliated um yeah cool all right well yeah good talk um I really enjoyed speaking with you guys about this topic um and I hope you guys continue to prosper and be successful and have a good rest of your semester you too you too bye guys